Good day, Gator fans. This is Brian Smith with Gator Maven. Today, I want to discuss three primary areas in addition to the college football playoffs. It's going to be a pretty interesting finish to this year, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit at the end and how it relates to not only this season, but next year with the Gators. But first off, here are the three primary areas that I want to discuss. First off, as always, Gators recruiting, some of the needs, some of the things that I've heard a little bit of discussion about film review on a couple of players, a little bit of a contrast and comparison. Second off, I want to talk a little bit about Kyle Trask and the situation that the Florida Gators coaching staff has been put into because of Trask's inconsistent play. Even though he's had a pretty good year, the question remains, is it good enough to get you where you really want to go? And that's the college football playoff. And finally, kind of looking at the roster and how it relates, as I mentioned just a moment ago, to next year, are they going to be a team that can make the college football playoff? I think there's an actual chance that they could, and there's several reasons for that. It's a more complicated discussion that I'll carry on throughout this offseason and into spring, but I want to kick it off today. So let's get started right now with recruiting. Uh, is it going to be a strong finish for the Gators? It's, it's possible. The Gators got a couple of commitments in the last month that are really good players, both in the Miami area. Isaiah Walker, an offensive tackle out of Miami, Norland, and Mark Britt out of Miami, the Christian school. Those guys are just the epitome of what Florida's always done. Miami's a long way from Gainesville. There's a lot of competition for those kids, but the Gators do have a big in-state pull. Not surprised by Lane in either one of them. Walker's more of the bull rush, or excuse me, the bull blocker kind of guy, powerful, 6'4", 310. He can run over guys. He could probably play guard or tackle. Time will tell, but with the Gators' rushing woes, are only averaging about 124 yards a game, considering how much talent they have at running back with P. Ryan and some of the other young players. That's a little bit disappointing, but guys like Walker are helping push the pile ahead of them and get a good grip on what's going on this next spring and hopefully next summer. Maybe the depth chart, you know, some of the guys just elevate their game. They have a few guys coming back. They're going to lose a few offensive linemen, but Walker's a guy that could come in and at least make it a dent on the two deep. You never know. It's really hard to project with offensive linemen, but Walker has a lot of talent. Definitely an SEC-level player. Britt is somebody I've discussed before uh, in an article recently. He's one of those kids that really doesn't matter where you put him. He's just a great athlete. He's 200, or excuse me, 6'2", 180 pounds. He could probably play corner or safety or receiver. Where do you want him? He's got the incredible ability to stop and start on a dime. Not a guy that you're going to be able to just tackle real easy in the screen game. It's just about impossible to get guys like that down on first contact. He's at least going to fall forward, oftentimes make guys just grasp at air. But on the defensive side of the ball, anytime you have the opportunity to get a player that's over six feet legitimately and can play corner, you have to at least consider that option. It changes game plans. Look at Georgia this year, just as an example of the rivals for the Gators. Georgia doesn't have the greatest pass rush, and I'm being kind, but their secondary is so skilled and so well coached, teams really struggle to pass the ball. It's the only team in major college football that I've seen consistently give teams fits throwing the ball with a very mediocre pass rush. Of course, the Bulldogs employ a 3-4 defense. They look to really just shut down the run more than anything else. But this is an interesting situation because 
Britt's the kind of guy, whether he went to Georgia or Florida State or wherever, he you know, he could play for any of those teams too. Britt could be a difference maker for the Gators, and the Gators do have some young pass rushers, which I'll discuss in a little bit. Now, as it relates to some of the players that I'm really curious to see what happens with, and again, this, this is recruiting, things will change. There will be new names pop up. The first name I'm always going to mention, and every week you probably get tired of hearing about it, is Marcus Dumerville, the offensive tackle out of St. Thomas Aquinas. He's about 310, 315 pounds. He's the kind of guy that the Gators could probably put into the mix right away. But it looks like right now, from all the trends and all the rumors, that he's going to end up playing football for LSU. Again, recruiting's not over. He could commit to LSU, then end up signing with Florida or even another school. This is recruiting. And South Florida recruiting is a beast of its own. It's full of kids that flip at the last minute. Maybe Dumerville will be that kid. You never know. But it would be an absolutely big loss for the Gators if they did lose him. The Gators need more offensive tackle talent, and he's one of the best in the state of Florida and the country. With Michael Pirine moving on, one of the guys, also a South Florida player, that I'm really interested to see what happens is Jalen Knighton. He's a kid like Doomerville that everybody's talking about. Nobody really knows where he's going to go. He was once committed to Florida State. I do not really think he'll end up there, but the coaching change is not, you know, necessarily an end-all, be-all. Maybe the Florida State brass hires somebody that he's interested in and ends up signing there. Hard to say. Miami is rumored to be very heavy with him. Alabama, Ohio State. Of course, the Gators he unofficially visited recently. It's hard to say where he's going to go. He's a kid that's not going to do a ton of interviews, if any, down the stretch. I wouldn't be surprised if he did not sign until February. He's a kid that's probably been thrown off the loop a little bit. Now, remember, he committed to Florida State several months ago. He kind of put recruiting on the back burner. But yet at the same time, it's a situation where Florida State was struggling, so he started looking around. He's probably in a little bit wait-and-see mode. That's what most kids do. They kind of go through a coaching change. But the 5'10", 180-pound running back out of Deerfield Beach is the type of player that can change the game in one play. He has electric speed. He's similar to some of the kids that you've seen at Alabama the last few years at receiver, Kadarius Toney at, at Florida. There's enough athleticism with him that he can take a swing pass, make two guys miss, then turn on the Jets and score. And I'm talking about against SEC-level competition. Again, he's at Deerfield Beach. That's a great program. And they actually play this coming weekend at Vero Beach, which I'm planning to go to the game, weather permitting. It's one of the best games in all of Dixie this next weekend. His team is loaded. I was even told by the head coach at Pompano Beach, Ely, that the backup running back for Knighton is so good. He's a similar level of talent. So that's what kind of players you're talking about at Deerfield Beach. They've got a chance to win the 8A state championship. They, they are loaded. But I, I have a hard time believing anybody's as good as Knighton, especially on his own roster. I don't know if it's going to be a situation where Florida stays in it to the end because of the following. How many scholarships do the Gators really have? Are they willing to go five over the limit, etc.? It's very difficult. Every coach kind of keeps that in his back pocket and doesn't talk about it publicly. Head coach Dan Mullen is no different. It depends on the player or players in question. With that said, another really good running back, and not all that different really in style, is Jaquavius Marks. He's out of Atlanta, Georgia, Carver High School. He's been committed to Mississippi State, but he's looking around. Louisville and some other schools are supposed to get visits. He's been around the Florida program. They've been recruiting him. Are they going to go after him? Really hard. Do they want Knighton more? 
every coaching staff, regardless of what these recruiting services rank these kids, they have their own pecking order. Does a kid fit? Does he fit the offense? Does he fit in with the culture of the institution in general? Does he want to go far from home? Is he an academic risk? There's a gazillion things that can go into it. I watched Mark's film, and, I, and I'm putting up a, a little bit of huddle about him as well in the article that I'm relating to this podcast, but Marks is one of those kids that makes very sudden diagonal cuts. Boom, boom, and he's in and out of his break and he goes. He's not a guy that does a lot of jump cuts, but he'll take one foot in the ground and he'll move to the right or left and make a guy completely miss. He's very natural running back. He's not necessarily a kid that's humongous or anything like that. He's 5'10", 190, 195 pounds, but he's playing at Carver High School in Atlanta, Believe me when I tell you the public league in Atlanta and the greater Atlanta area in general, as I was up there recently, is loaded. He's not playing against kids that are easy to beat. And he makes a lot of guys just flat out look bad. He's got power. He's got strength in his lower legs. He reminds me quite a bit of Pirine, but he's already Pirine's size in sense from, say, his sophomore year. This kid's got a chance to be about 210, 215 when he completely fills out. But he's got enough speed right now that he's a college player that can make an impact. He's a very undervalued kid. Carver's not a program a lot of people go to. It's inner city Atlanta. Difficult to really say what kind of situation he's going to be in moving forward. Is it, you know, is he going to commit soon? Is he going to go to Louisville? Does he get a late look from a school like Georgia? He's right down the road from Athens, so that's always a possibility. But I really like him a lot as well. Probably a little more powerful than Knighton, but not as fast, not quite as dynamic. Interesting running back because the Gators need a few more playmakers. And it's not like they're, they're lacking, but as I'll talk about a little bit more here in a few minutes, when a kid like Tony misses time, and he came back recently and played some against Bandy and he looked good, it really hurts a team because you need guys in the SEC that can just take a basic play that should get you three to five yards and turn it into a 20-yard game. The reason is not just the yards gained, it changes how defensive coordinators have to prepare when that particular player is on the field. Think about it this way, if you take away Percy Harvin for any of the key games that Florida played when he was in Gainesville, there's a good chance they lose, and it wasn't like they didn't have other talent, and of course Tebow was a quarterback, but it changes the game when you have a slot guy or a guy that can run a jet motion and just take it to the house, and it's really not that complicated. It's just about the athleticism of that individual mixed in with some good blocking, and the guy scores. These are the kinds of players that Florida needs. Xavier Henderson's one of those guys as well, another Miami product out of Columbus. Uh, I really like Marks out of Atlanta, but Henderson's a totally different player, and while I don't think he's going to play running back, he's a long, lanky receiver, 6'3", 6'4". He could also play safety. I put some huddle video in the article he is absolutely a great athlete. Kind of kid, you look at him and watch him jump, and you'll see it if you watch the huddle film I put in. It's just amazing. A one-handed interception where he goes up and gets the ball. That's not natural. That's the kind of player that can change a game for you. I could see the Gators putting him at free safety at some point. It's not out of the question, but he's a great receiver talent as well. What's he want to play long-term? Those things kind of play themselves out. I really don't care what Florida's calling him right now is a prospect. Is it receiver? Is it safety? I call it athlete because he's so good. Kids generally end up where playing time is available. Henderson 
could play as a freshman or sophomore from a talent perspective at basically any school in the country. It's going to be up to him to learn the playbook and find a niche. It's not that difficult beyond that because, again, he's 6'4", he's 180 pounds, 190 pounds. He can run, and he's got some really good hops. I could see him being a threat for many different teams no matter where he goes. But Clemson, Florida, and a few other teams are really looking hard at him. He's supposed to announce on the 4th of January. I wouldn't be surprised on anything that happens with him. Clemson's obviously the hot team in college football, and I get it. They just won the national title two out of the last three years. But Florida is a team that's really trying to build some momentum. They're getting some bigger receivers. Maybe he wants to join the fold as well. Keep an eye on him. Once again, Xavier Henderson out of Columbus High School in Miami, Florida. Moving from recruiting to a topic that is really kind of in flux, and it, it actually impacts recruiting, it's what I'm personally calling the Trask Dilemma. Florida is starting a guy that didn't even start in high school, ironically, but he's made his way into the Gators starting lineup, and he's a big guy that can throw it. He's not the greatest runner. He's got decent feet for about the first 5, 10 yards, but he just doesn't have that much speed. Does he fit Dan Mullen's offense enough that he can help the Gators next year make it to the college football playoff or at least make it past Georgia? I expect Jake Fromm to turn pro, which makes the East much more wide open. But, you know, we'll see. Maybe Fromm comes back. The bottom line, they need to figure out quarterback in the following scenario. Consider consider this. The Gators are only averaging 124 yards on the ground this year. Obviously, that's not enough. It's a different topic, but the Gators are in a situation where the running game, even with P. Ryan, who I think is a pretty good player and is going to get a shot to look at an NFL roster next year, they're just not getting it done consistently. They didn't even have 60 yards rushing yesterday against a very mediocre Missouri team. Flat out, that you cannot run for 60 yards or give or take, you know, I think it was 58, and consider yourself a good running football team. Does that mean the Gators start employing more of Emory Jones, not only against Florida State, but in the bowl game and in the spring? Perhaps Jones takes over for Trask? Does Coach Dan Mullen go ahead and continue with both players playing a lot? My guess on that is pretty simple. Emory Jones has the much, much higher ceiling. It's up to Jones what happens. Basically, does he pick up the system? Because he's got a very strong arm. And we know what he can do in terms of running the ball. He averaged over six yards a carry in, last, in this past game, so it's not like he can't do that. He, he could play running back at Florida. He's a very talented athlete. It's not even debatable. Now the question becomes, how soon can he pick it up? And this is why I ask. If he really does well between the Florida State game and the bowl game, of course there's several practices involved which coaches love, it would give Dan Mullen and the coaching staff the opportunity to ask themselves, okay, if we turn the reins over to Jones, can he take it to the next level with the spring practice and summer session and fall camp and make us a top 10 team all year and put us in the playoff race come November of next year? I don't know what's going to happen with that, and even Dan Mullen and the coaching staff probably don't because even though they see the kid every single day in practice, they see him in film room, they see him in, in the meeting rooms, Part of that is just natural maturity, and sometimes the light just goes on. I'm hoping that it does because he seems like a good kid, and he's the kind of player that fits Dan Mullen's offense to a T. 
Many years ago, I asked Dan Mullen, what is your ideal quarterback? And this was like 2001, 2002, when he was just starting out with Urban Meyer at Bowling Green. And he told me Michael Vick, which, you know, that's an easy answer. I get it. While he's not Michael Vick, Jones does have speed and elusiveness to make plays with his feet. And he's got a strong enough arm where he could put up 300 yards of offense very easily if he gets a grasp of everything. So that's something to kind of look at. One quick note about Trask before I move on. I don't want people to think I'm picking on him. Like yesterday, he was 23 of 35 for 282 yards, two touchdowns. Sounds pretty good. With that being said, he also had a couple of plays that should have been picked off. At some point, his luck's going to kind of run out. He had a couple of those against Vandy that he did get picked, and there was a couple others that it could have. He's been pretty fortunate this year. He's only had a handful of picks, but at the same time, that that luck is going to run out quicker than you might think. It could even happen against Florida State. <clears throat> and I bring that up because the Knowles will be playing that game like their hair is on fire. They have nothing to lose. The coaching staff at Florida State is going to go at it as hard as they can. They have nothing to lose. A lot of those guys are coaching for their jobs, whether it's at Florida State or the next place that they go. This game is going to be very big for them. Those players all know each other, the Florida Florida State players. They both recruit in South Carolina, Georgia, Florida, Alabama. These kids all know each other. It's a big rivalry. We all know that. If Florida is in the third quarter of that game and it's fairly close, you can't have Trask throwing one down the middle like he commonly does and hitting the free safety in the chest. He cannot make that play. Florida State's explosive enough especially with their talent at running back. They've got two NFL talents back there that they can absolutely beat Florida if they goof around or turn the ball over. No question about it. With the way the Gators offense played the first half against Missouri and to some extent the second half against Missouri, they could definitely lose that game. This is a game that Trask needs to really make sure he takes care of the football, not only in getting first downs, but none of those uh uh-oh plays. When I was at the game against Vanderbilt, a fan behind me said to me, you got to expect one or two of those a game from him. And I sat there and I thought about it, and I'm like, you know what? He's probably right. I couldn't think of a game where Trask didn't kind of line one up for the other team. And again, it's just amazing. He's, he's done pretty well this year statistically. If you just kind of look at it from a quote-unquote raw numbers perspective, Kyle Trask has had a pretty good year. 274 attempts. 183 completions, that's 66.8. You know, we're on the screen era where a lot of passes are pretty easy, but it's still good numbers. 21 touchdowns, six picks, 158 quarterback rating. Those are all great, but his picks should be probably closer to 12 is, is the problem. He's had too many guys that have dropped passes or basically just given the Gators a free down by not picking it off. I just have a bad feeling that's going to come to an end against Florida State, and that game's going to be one heck of a lot closer than it should be. Here's the other interesting stat with Trask this year. Felipe Franks, while he's obviously a guy that's not the most natural quarterback as a feel for the game comes into play, he only had five touchdowns and three picks in the three games he played. The one thing about Franks that could not be questioned, he has a rocket launcher for an arm. He averaged 9.8 yards per attempt. That's incredible. Trask is not doing bad by any means at 8.4, but a difference of 1.4, that's that's pretty big. One of the things that the Gators have not been able to do is run the ball. Once again, got to bring that up. 
So teams are sneaking up on the Gators a little bit more. Crowd in the line of scrimmage. Corners, they're, they're playing really good teams. They can take away some of those short throws. That's part of the problem. But with Tony back, I'm hoping that he can bust one or two plays. And, of course, Michael Piron, well, Michael Piron, excuse me, at running back gives Trask some options. And Piron had a nice catch for a touchdown yesterday. Trask does move the ball around. They've got really good talent there. But I, I'm just not sure, even with Piron and Pierce, that, you know, they have enough in the running game that the Florida State Seminoles are really going to be that scared. Between the two of them, they haven't even accumulated 800 rushing yards between those two players. That's just not going to get it done. And the Gators, quite frankly, are in a situation where the Gators could lose with some of those turnovers. And I'm worried about it. P. Ryan, so far, has got 520 yards. He's your leading rusher. I want you to think about that. This is Florida. What is wrong with the offensive line? I know there's some young guys trying to get in the mix. Ethan White in particular, which is a great story. He was a roughly 400 pounds when he enrolled in Florida, kind of took a shot on him. He was out of Clearwater High School. He's already played some this year. He's a guy that could make a move next year, but that's not enough. They still need somebody else to kind of step in, and that's why I was so excited when they got down to the final couple with Doomerville, and I'm still hopeful. You need guys pushing forward, pushing those veteran players. They're going to leave a couple offensive linemen, but whether it's Trask, whether it's Jones, or a combination thereof next year, the running game needs to be better. And I guess that's why I kind of favor the idea of Jones being the primary quarterback, if not the sole quarterback, because he's going to add another 50 yards rushing with his feet. Yeah, he's probably going to make a dumb play here or there, but he's probably also going to score. And that's the one thing that, quite frankly, Kyle Trask does not allow. I don't know how many noticed the comment that one of the CBS announcers made recently about Trask and you know he's one of those guys that can he can get out there and run but he you know he just doesn't really do much after he gets a little bit down the field similar situation for a lot of quarterbacks around college football but you know they get four or five yards if you take Emory Jones and he can get to where Trask is in terms of grasp of the offense and you add his feet in with a little bit better offensive line play next year you could be looking at 175 195 yards rushing a game they could go undefeated next year, and it wouldn't surprise me. Consider it the following. Joe Burrow is going to leave LSU. He's a senior. He has to be. He's going to the draft. You cannot replace a guy like him. And then you also have a situation where it's very difficult, very difficult to replace a Jake Fromm. Florida would be very fortunate to see their two main rivals in one year leave. It's not out of the question that Fromm could leave. But then again, he does have technically one more year. It's not a difficult situation for them or anybody else, for that matter, to lose when you get a great quarterback go on. The Gators could probably be 11-0, 12-0 next year. Florida State's still up in the air. I'm not scared of Missouri. Certainly not scared of South Carolina. Ward only knows what's going on at Tennessee, Vanderbilt, and Kentucky. Their schedule could take a major drop. So while it's Kind of crazy for some people to say, hey, Brian, you're nuts for thinking the Gators are going to go to the playoffs next year. Your schedule plays in a humongous factor in that. Florida's running game is still the key. I don't care what schedule they're playing next year, and it is the SEC still. They have to be able to run the ball more, and that leads to my final point. To help the run game, the defense needs to take even another step forward. Even with the running game, 
like it is. It's not terrible by any means. Another 50 to 100 yards in any particular game, it's a big game, is the main difference. They need to be able to control the line of scrimmage better. Defensively, they're going to lose two pretty good players. Let's not kid ourselves here. Those guys can make plays all day long up front. We know who they are. They've done plays this year that are just amazing spin moves. They come off the edge to speed rushing. They get it done. But what's the real difference? You know, it's fun watching Kyle Pitts catch passes. And by the way, he's got two more years of eligibility, which is fantastic. But when you look at the sacks, a lot of the guys that are getting plays besides Greenard and, you know, He's just incredible what a talent he is. What a fortunate thing for them to get him from Louisville this past year. But Zuniga is a guy who's going to be leaving too. Between them, they have nine sacks and they've missed some time and they're getting a lot of chips and double teams now. But they put so much pressure on the opposing teams. Who's going to replace them? Zachary Carter, Mohamed Diabate, those guys are really talented players. Even Trey Dean, he's he's a defensive back. He's got a couple of sacks. But the guy that I'm, I'm really excited about is Chris Bogle. He's a freshman. He's very raw, very lanky. He's got a couple of sacks. He could end up playing primary defensive end in third down situations. He can play linebacker. They can move him around. They can get a little more complex. Remember, he's a freshman. The biggest jump a kid usually makes is between year one and year two. Not just a kid that goes into the weight room and gets bigger. Obviously, that helps but he's going to have more time for film review, work on his his hands, his ability to defeat blocks in one-on-one in run game or against the pass game. And that's the kind of kid with his athleticism, he could go from like two, three sacks this year to, to double digits next year. He has that kind of physical skill. And he's not the only guy either. Vontrell Miller's got a couple of sacks. He's an underclassman. He's a sophomore. And I'm really excited to see what Jeremiah Moon can do as well. He's got three sacks. He's got, you know, he's got another year of eligibility. Does he come back and add a little bit more, too? If you keep putting pressure on the quarterback, the running game gets a little better. That's why I bring in the point that the Gators have a shot to make the college football playoff. One little additional thing I want to talk about is the uh, hot seat. The college football, you know, coaching carousel, it never ends. There are three schools that I think are pretty much at the top of the board for the hot seat right now, and maybe a fourth. It just depends on your perspective. How Vanderbilt's head coach does not get fired, I have no idea. He has done a terrible job this year. Yes, I know it's Vanderbilt, but they got beat at home badly by UNLV a few weeks ago. Since it's SEC, I wanted to lead off with that. Rutgers, that's self-explanatory. It's kind of ironic. He was Urban Meyer's defensive coordinator a few years ago at Ohio State, but he has just been terrible. And then the one that's kind of weird is USC. I really don't know what's going to happen there. They've been through some quarterbacks. they got a freshman quarterback that's playing really well, but everybody wants them to hire USC. The president's come out and said, hey, we're not going to take him, blah, blah, blah. But every president says that. It, well, you know, what, what is she going to say? Yeah, we want to fire our coach. There's no politically correct way for her to answer that. But here are the three schools that I think are very interesting that could come into play, and it's definitely going to be something that would impact – the Gators in terms of recruiting, because all three recruit in the same area. Believe it or not, I think the Texas job is going to get kind of warm because they lost again yesterday, and that's Iowa State. You cannot consistently lose games to teams like Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Kansas State, if you're Texas. Their alums are very narrow-minded, and they contribute a lot of money. 
Now, I know they went and got him. He's a he's a good coach, but he's not recruiting at an elite level. They're losing too many players. They're not getting enough defensive guys. And, I, yeah, I know they had some injuries this year. But if Texas doesn't win 10 games next year, I expect to hear a lot of heat on him. Just kind of put that on the back burner. The one that Florida fans can relate to the most is none other than South Carolina. Why? Well, Will Mil- Mil- Will Muschamp, excuse me, is the head coach there. Of course, he's coached at Florida before. Uh, that guy is just absolutely impossible to figure out. They go to Georgia, his alma mater, and win. Turn around, not there long after. Let's lose at home to Appalachian State. Since South Carolina recruits in Florida and Georgia and, of course, in their home state, areas that Florida recruits heavily, that's very interesting to me. He's done a pretty good job recruiting. Uh, matter of fact, one of the best players in the country, Marshawn Lloyd, is out of Damatha in D.C. He's a running back that every school in the country wanted. He's committed to South Carolina. Maybe a kid like that Florida can get because down the stretch, the rumors start to build. If they get smoked, and it's pretty good chance they're going to, by Clemson, there's going to be a lot of heat. I wouldn't be surprised if Lloyd and or other players end up leaving that commitment status with South Carolina. The final one is Miami, the program that nobody ever knows what's going to happen. Florida recruits Miami extremely hard, as I talk about in the article and I've already talked about on this podcast. The Hurricanes are offering a lot of kids early, class of 2022 included. With that said, they are up and down like a yo-yo. Nobody knows week to week what's going to happen. I've heard a lot of not-so-positive things about their offensive coordinator and how he gets along with people. They've got kids going into the transfer portal. A lot of kids don't get along with him. The head coach is a defensive-minded guy. I'm not sure what's going on there and how much he's really trying to help the offense, but they've got an NFL-level quarterback in their freshman quarterback. He's a redshirt freshman, but... I expect him to leave after next year just because of raw talent. He, he can throw the deep ball as good or better than anybody in college football. And they're, they're quite frankly just loaded at the skill spots. Not surprising. It's Miami. But even with all that, they lost to Georgia Tech at home this year. Georgia Tech is atrocious. So Miami's a team next year if things don't start to go well. It used to be three years is what you got. Well, just ask Florida State. I mean, their head coach just got fired in less than two years. The, the gap for your ability to win at a program that's perceived to be a national power is very, very slim. The Miami job is, above all else, the job that I would pay the most attention to if I'm a Florida Gator fan because if anything happens there, whether it's assistant, head coach, or both, it really impacts recruiting because Miami's done a nice job getting several commitments out of a lot of young guys. They even have some underclassmen that are really good committed to the Hurricanes right now. If they do not finish this season strong and look good in the bowl game, you know, I wouldn't bet on anything with them. It, you know, anything's possible. They are truly up and down. They could lose some kids, and the Gators could be the ones that benefit from that. I'm not surprised either way that it goes. They are the most difficult team I can remember in the last five years to predict what's going to happen with any particular game. Usually that's an internal problem. So once again, I have not heard good things about what's going on in their program. That should benefit Florida. Well, that's going to wrap it up. I hope you all enjoyed. Once again, this is Brian Smith. Thank you very much and have a great day.